Welcome to Appetite for Distraction, a podcast dissecting music and tech. I'm Yash. I write a newsletter called Appetite for Distraction. And I'm Martin. I write a newsletter called Music X. The music industry is often considered to be a broader part of the creator economy, but on closer inspection, it really isn't. It's still plagued with old remnants from the legacy music business. We went from ownership to access, but we still see that the top 10% of artists are driving 90% of music consumption. I saw recent news that 100,000 tracks are being uploaded on Spotify. So more people than ever before are creating music, which is great, but it still happens to be winner take all. The social and financial rewards are still accruing towards the top 1% of artists. On the other hand, some folks claim that Web3, more specifically things like music NFTs and DAOs, have the potential to change this. Yeah, but Yash. Music NFTs don't actually exist. Music NFTs are cryptographic records representing the ownership of files that exist elsewhere. They represent ownership of a digital asset and not the asset, the music itself. Okay, so think about your house, for example. What proves your ownership of the house? The fact that you possess the physical house itself, the fact that you physically reside in that house, or a piece of paper given to you by the government signifying that you own the house. Well, music NFTs may not exist in a formal sense because the, the music itself is not really connected to the metadata of the NFT. But they do exist in the sense that there's this whole blossoming economy for independent artists, mostly, who are connecting with the people that collect their NFTs in a whole variety of different ways. So these artists get to experiment with different release strategies, various layers of ownership and government all around their art and their careers in general. Many people see spending multi-million dollars on NFTs as totally irrational, but doesn't the same count for spending millions of, of dollars on a piece of art that's just like, ha-ha, in a very specific font? I mean, the, the underlying question is this, really. Why would someone want to own a specific piece of music today if most of it is totally available on demand. So let's explore three reasons why individuals own anything. This was derived from a great tweet by Sam Lesson. Reason number one, financial capital. Individuals might be willing to pay money to own an asset today with the hope that it accrues value or becomes a source of cash flow in the future. For instance, fans buy copyright-backed NFTs in the hopes of future royalty earnings, which is cash flow, hope that the value of the NFT increases, so that they can sell it in the future, so that's a future sale, are exclusive rewards, so backstage passes, gig tickets, merchandise, etc. So financial savings. And then the second reason would be social capital. You see like lots of people writing in various places in the media that buying JPEGs for these thousands or millions of dollars is totally irrational. There's a mistake in that thinking, though. They're missing the importance of this social capital, right? So you have status, you have community. These have always played a super important role in our culture across the world. And, and the music industry is no different. If anything, music NFTs are like the ultimate enablers of social capital. So we can analyze these dynamics and, and they will help explain all sorts of online behavior that would otherwise seem irrational. We are all status monkeys, as Becky McCormack said. So you can buy this pixelated JPEG for 100K. It will give you access to this community of individuals who have the willingness and ability to, to do the same. It's super expensive signaling, just like flying your private jet to meet clients instead of sending a Zoom link. But we are social animals and social signals are super important. Absolutely. Let's move on to reason number three. 
utility and our pleasure. On the utility side of things, it's quite clear, owning an NFT of an audio file is not useful. You do not need to own an MP3 to listen to it, just like you don't need to own a JPEG to see it. In terms of pleasure, it is a subjective realm and beauty does lie in the eyes, or I should say ears of the beholder. Moreover, utility can take many forms, access to an artist, unique merchandise, backstage access at shows, etc. We kind of covered this under financial capital as financial savings. So a quick question for you, Josh. Do you still own MP3s? I don't actually. I'd have to check. I mean, I did own a bunch of them. Do you? I recently rediscovered an old MP3 player that I used to have. Oh, nice. Uh, so it's it's really fun to see what I was listening to in like 2007. But then I <laughs> did go to Spotify to then actually listen to those, to of those records. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I have my old MP3 player as well. It was this old Samsung 4 gigabyte player. I remember being super upset because my dad didn't buy me an iPod. And I really wanted an <laughs> iPod to be a part of the cool kids. But yeah, anyway... <laughs> We anyway, anyway. <laughs> hey, so everyone here might be thinking, all right, if this is also great, why are we not going full steam ahead then? Let's look at the four common critiques that are thrown at Web3. With the upcoming updates, a lot of these critiques have changed, which we'll get into. But they're still being leveled, right? So we should talk about them. Absolutely. Okay, so critique number one, it's slow. The Ethereum blockchain currently does somewhere around 19 transactions per second. Visa, for comparison, does about 1,700. That's a lot more. But there's a solution, like a layer two solution, like Polygon and the recent shift, uh, like proof of stake. This will radically change transaction speed. Okay, fair enough. What about the fact that it's expensive? The simplest transactions on Ethereum cost anywhere between $25 to $1,000 in gas fees, making it prohibitively expensive for any meaningful consumer tech application. Yeah, gas is horrible but there are many solutions here actually the merge being a part of it but it's it's totally dependent on how many transactions need to happen at any given moment and currently we are in a bear market which means there's less transactions than when there's a super heavy heavy bull market going on and less transactions just mean lower gas fees as well what about volatility cryptocurrency values change dramatically all the time based on demand and other social factors such as whether elon musk tweets that day this makes <laughs> it hard to transact with any confidence or predictability yeah, this is totally valid, right? But the solution is to build outside of the crypto value chain, to not hmm. depend on how much Ether is worth from one day to the next, or, or Bitcoin or whatever it is that you are working on, but instead focus on adding value that isn't related to crypto prices. What about the fact that it's environmentally unfriendly? The current process of mining and validating decentralized networks is very energy intensive. For instance, we've seen research saying a single transaction on Ethereum is equivalent to the power consumption of an average U.S. household over 7.86 days. Research coming out of Cambridge said that global Bitcoin mining uses more electricity than countries like Argentina or Sweden. On the specificness of Ethereum, of course, we just had the merge. So the, the whole blockchain has gone proof of stake instead of proof of work. This means that like any new transaction does not have to be approved by every single validator on the network, but only by a designated number of them. This speeds up the network, but also brings down energy consumption by 99.5%. All right, Martin, all of this sounds great, right? So I guess like, let me ask you on, on a more existential level or a more philosophical level, why Web3? I mean, this is my favorite question of all. I talk to people, whether they're artists or people at labels or just founders. This is the, the number one question everybody should ask themselves. Why do you want to do this on, on Web3? Crypto does financialize everything. It's also an opportunity 
to totally rethink how we work together, how we think about ownership, how we organize communities. So this question should be the first question that any musician, any label, any manager or startup wants to ask themselves, because it's just not easy to do this, right? So if you can actually do what you want to do with these Web2 frameworks and tools, then why spend all the time learning new ones? And then also having to teach them to like your fans and your community. There's just a ton of different rails and tooling. And if you want to raise money, you know, you can do that through a Kickstarter. But there is value in Web3. And and it is the strongest when it concerns community. Tokens, for example, can become indicators of status. They can become a layer of identification in the community. They can become a tool for participation and a way to establish a community that doesn't actually necessarily exist just out of consumers. Yeah, totally. I'm on the same page as listeners might imagine. For me, I think the main thing is that until now, the unpleasant reality of the music business was that what's good for the consumer and what's good for the creator were often located on opposite ends of the spectrum. Financially supporting music creators and helping build a healthy middle class of of artists was in stark contrast to financially investing in music creators, hoping for the value of their copyright to increase. These were two very separate realms. And for me, the exciting thing about Web3 is that it promises to change that. Creators and fans can win together. Of course, a question worth asking here is, what does winning actually mean? Web3 has the potential to fundamentally change the music industry as we know it. But with all the hype and media buzz, it's very easy to get distracted and lose sight of the bigger picture here. Exactly. So this is what we've tried to do in several minutes that we've been talking. It's like, what is the big picture here? And how can we demystify how people should look at and interact with something like a music NFT? Totally. Just to add on that, I do feel like this whole movement feels new and exciting. And that's what art has always been. I know that there's a lot of talk about AI assisted creation and things like that. Now, I was reading this fascinating piece in the Atlantic that that was kind of talking about the pushback against photography, a lot of painters pushed back against cameras when they first came out, it took a very long time for photography to be considered an art form. Art has always been about pushing the envelope and Web3 seems to be doing that. This whole community of artists, it's a very small community, by the way. It's its like 15 to 25 musicians really kind of pushing. Of course, there are a lot of other musicians experimenting with, with Web3, but you see the same 15 to 20 names over and over again. They're almost rethinking what's possible in music, right? They're looking at this traditional model and saying, this is not the way we do things and we need to find a new model the people who kind of get caught up in discussions about whether it'll succeed or whether it'll fail are kind of missing the whole point just the attempt to rethink these existing models and these existing structures is a productive and a meaningful effort yeah definitely and if it if it means at the same time that the whole idea of winning yeah. like you just earlier said is something that that you can start doing together right yeah. You can find a community of of people and surround yourself with them who will and you as an artist in in ways that were definitely not possible before and that is where the most value lies. Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what we're trying to do, right? The whole idea with the podcast is to demystify a lot of these things, talk about this world, talk about what's happening in this world. We do want to bring in artists we want to bring in founders investors 
any person who is deeply thinking about the space and deeply thinking about how technology can can move the music industry forward we'll be bringing a lot of people with contrarian takes ranging from highly skeptical to highly prophetic or just someone who's <laughs> who's a who's a true believer who's a true believer <laughs> i'm super excited about season 1 and if anyone has any feedback about how we can make these episodes better whether they should be longer shorter whether they should be done at all <laughs> you know and we should stop doing it you know happy to hear it and yeah see you see you on the next one see you in the next one